Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. My name is Troy, my pronouns are he, him, and today I am joined, as always, by my co-host. Oh boy, my name's Ed, my pronouns are they and them, but Joe Biden stole an hour of my sleep, so I would might prefer my pronouns to be back in bed. Yes, it's daylight savings time, and so, because we've lost an hour to mysterious outside forces, we've decided to talk about time travel. And specifically, time travel in board games and tabletop games. We have a number of things to discuss, but before we really get into the hows and whys of time, we have to talk about the weekend hobby, which is our last previous weekend hobby, not the future weekend hobby, because again, time travel. I mean, if I could, it would be helpful if I knew what my future weekend hobby was going to be like. You will paint all the miniatures. I have foreseen it. Nice. Um, but so for our last weekend hobby, I my Wednesday game is currently on hiatus. My Thursday game is delving further into this dungeon. Uh, they cleared a bunch of rooms. They fought a few different things. Uh, some chain devils, a bone devil. They ran into a room with portals that connected to other portals in the same room, but did a tiny amount of elemental damage when you went through them, uh, which the team figured out by throwing a rock through one and seeing that it came out mm -hmm. charred when they did it through, an, uh, through the initial one, and then slightly covered in frost when they did it through another one, and sadly they did not do a yakety sax like, Scooby-Doo doors sequence like I was hoping. Oh. No um, fun. They kept running through random portals and popping out other ones. Boo. I mean, to be fair, the monster they had to fight in that room was not as dangerous as it could have been. Um, there was no real reason for it to chase them. Or for them to get chased by it. Uh, they then encountered a celestial flump that had been accidentally summoned by the uh, cultists that was hiding in a like safe room in the dungeon. Um, they talked to it for a little while and then banished it back to its home plane. Uh, is that good or bad? Banished sounds bad. Well, banished just sends an extra dimensional creature back to its home plane. Ah, in that case, it's good. Yeah, no, it, it saved, it got the flump out of there for good. And the flump was very right. happy that they offered that. Uh, it does burn a higher level spell slot, but that was fine because they could use the safe room to take a long rest. Very, very uh, lawful good of your characters. Very much so. They are a very heroic party. Um, Huzzah! Although the the torture of that one cultist kind of... Eh. In, in general, though, they're lawful good and they help people. Um, and attempt to sell their energy drink that they created <laughs> that's definitely not a potion. Cool. Um, that's Just a little, a little bit of chaotic neutral in there then uh, yeah they're um they're fun i played up fairly early on the fact that uh everyone has newspapers and doing heroic things in public will get you into the newspaper <laughs> and will cause people to like have heard of them and recognize them so they decided to use that as marketing and uh when someone approached them about like starting a business they were like, yes, we're going to create an energy drink. This is true. I often forget some of the uh, modern real world touches that they give to Eberron. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty good. Uh, although they're having the issue of um, an issue that they realized is that since Warforged don't drink, there's a whole untapped market. And they're trying to figure out how they can make their energy drink appeal to Warforged. Um, batteries. Yeah, they haven't gotten that far yet. And they probably won't, because the campaign, they are only a handful of rooms away from the final boss. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see if they last long enough to survive and produce more Thunder Muscle. <laughs> nice, I like that name. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. Uh, other things. Um, there was a Spelljammer game. I think that'll... We'll probably cover that with you. Uh, and then my board game group got back together after several months of not hanging out. 
and got to play Red Dragon Inn. Yay. Which is uh, always a fun time. I played the Goblin King. I won handily. My enemies defeated and unconscious before me. And I sat on a throne with a big pile of gold. Respectable. Yeah, the Goblin King is considered one of the... When people make tier lists for Red Dragon Inn, which of course people do, because it can't just be a simple, fun party game, the Goblin King is generally considered among the high, higher-ranked characters. I mean, nerds make tier lists for everything. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, and mostly I took the Goblin King to prevent one of the other players from taking him. Because it's really annoying what he does. Yeah, Red Dragon Inn, that's that's one that like I see on the shelf every time I am at a local game store or even a just a store that sells board games. It's one I want to play and want to try and get like my wife's circle of friends into, but because we're still in our like semi quarantine state, uh I don't know when that's actually going to happen. Yeah, it's a fun game. You just have to know that it has a million expansions. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of those. Yeah. So that's my weekend hobby. Ed. Oh boy. Uh my hobby week really wasn't much of a hobby week. Uh been still doing a lot of out of town jobs and whatnot, so most of my gaming has been relegated to playing Go. Uh, over the internets, have a couple of correspondence games going. Uh, finally, seems to have found one player who makes one move and then just refuses to make any other moves, and I win by timeout, which doesn't really do much for my ranking in the system. So it's nice to actually have other players to play. Uh, I was really bored in class this last week and was watching live go games while also listening to a lecture. Uh, also playing chess via correspondence and also going to set up a snail mail correspondence game, which is going to be fun. So I actually have to get a physical chess board to keep track of the moves. Yes. But uh, um, how will you teach the snail chess? I'll have to, I'll have to add in a couple of levels of druid from my current artificer slash rogue build. Mm, yes, that makes sense. So I'm I'm gonna do they just straight up call that multi-classing? I don't know what happens when you add in three classes in there. It's just multi-classing. Adding in a second class is multi-classing. Yeah. So just multi multi-classing my multi-class already. Uh and then what else? Uh haven't really done much paint-wise, which is unfortunate because I have those fancy new paintbrushes that I want to use. Um, maybe today. And then we played some Spelljammer. We picked up where we left off after the Infernal Carnival and all the Carnival shenanigans. Um, what did we do there as well? Uh, we fought some lizard folk, uh, Dragonborn, yep. and, some, and uh, the other clown. Uh, the... Yep, who again escaped... Yeah, the results on that one were indecisive, but we're about to enter the fun house where hopefully yep. we can defeat this stupid clown and his boss and uh, end this carnival once and for all. I mean, it's probably a good idea that the clown got away and that one of the guys surrendered and we didn't have to go like balls to the wall fighting because we were rolling so, so bad. Yes, yes, we were. I don't. I feel like this is one of those like statistical anomalies where I want to engage with the fallacy of roll 20 is broken and it's giving us weird rolls, but really it's just that the rolls are just abnormal and because we notice it more, it sticks out in our brain and so we tend to think the system is borked when really it's just the random of the dice. I believe that roll 20 is exceptionally swingy and not truly random, but it's swingy on purpose so that it's provides more drama to games and makes you want to play it more. I mean, any anything that's running dice through a computer, there's always a chance for it to be swingy and weird. So I won't put it past the system, but I feel like that if you're going to run a virtual tabletop like that, that's going to be like 
one of your top priorities is making sure that your RNG uh, is correct. system works. So that would be low down on my list of conspiracies. It, it's my favorite conspiracy. But what I really think it is, is uh, the lizard men and uh, Hillary Clinton infiltrating our servers in Italy and uh, screwing with my dice rolls. That that could also be. And yeah. um, I've got the documents to prove it. But the, uh, I can't find him here on my desk. And the Beast Hunter Rangers laptop. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, the lack of sleep is getting to me. That seems seems like a thing, yeah. So, if you're having issues with a lack of sleep, why don't you just go back in time and get more sleep? I mean, I wish I could. I probably would sleep better if I could just get a get a do-over maybe have fewer weird dreams and end up waking up with less of a headache all right then so let's talk time travel and games specifically board games and rpgs uh we'll get into war games a little but there's not that much time travel in war games as far as we've seen and really noticed it's very Um, disappointing Let's do RPGs first. There are several RPGs that are just purely about time travel or that use time travel as a core element of their setting. But we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons first because um, naturally, because everyone knows Dungeons and Dragons the most. The time related spell in Dungeons and Dragons that most people are familiar with is Time Stop. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. It is a classic D&D spell. It's been in all the old editions. Uh, it's ninth level. You briefly... Maybe that's why I haven't heard of it. Yeah. I don't even bother reading the ninth level spells because I'm never going to get there. It's a super high level wizard spell where you briefly stop the flow of time for everyone but yourself. No time passes for other creatures while you take a certain number of turns in a row during which you can use actions and move as normal. Um, however, if you attack someone if any of the things you do affect other people it ends the spell Mm, Um, not as useful it's useful it also sets the notion that the alteration of time to like go back is not something that a ninth level wizard can do easily through a basic spell um time stop sort of sets the bar on how much magical power you have to use in order to alter the flow of time and it's a a lot and b you won't you don't get that much effect out of it i mean time stop gives you up to like five turns so 30 seconds of i'm gonna use time stop to take a quick nap yeah you can take a very quick nap out of time stop at most like your minimum would be 12 seconds in fifth edition so time travel in D&D is not um, not something that can be used tactically at any rate. Probably uh, a good thing. Yeah, that is probably a good thing. However, it should be noted that in 5th edition there is, uh, in the Explorer's Guide to Wildemount book, which is the, um, the, the Exandria setting, yes, the Critical Role one, there is a version of magic in that setting called Dunamancy, which is split into two distinct schools of uh, Graviturgy and Chronoturgy. Uh, So they have time wizards. However, you know, like I said, those time wizards don't generally go back in time. Their abilities are stuff about um, sort of quasi-divination, you might say, where they can sort of uh, look at time and sort of alter they're it. Pulling a, they're pulling a Paul Atreides. Well, yeah, they can do stuff like forcing people to re-roll uh, attacks, ability checks, or saving throws, or um, getting bonuses to their initiative modifier because they, you know, have an awareness of time. They can see the future briefly, sort of. Or put someone into magical stasis um, for a certain amount of time. Fun. You know, they, their stuff is more about 
manipulating the current flow of time than it is about traveling backwards through time. Um, none of their abilities allow them to really go back in time. Which, again, mechanically, that's probably for the best, because tracking time travel mechanically would be uh, real tricky. <laughs> um, there is, of course, that classic Dungeons & Dragons story about the um, dungeon master who had his party go had his party go back in time to, like, the early era of the setting and described one of the towns they were in and how there was a giant mountain next to it. And then one of the party members was like, oh, that's cool. That mountain isn't there in the present-day setting. I want to find out what happened to it. Oops. And so, of course, he had to ask the internet for what happened to the mountain. And I think the most popular solution was it just got up and walked away. <laughs> um which raises all sorts of questions, but that's not... A that just raises even further questions. Yeah, that's not really a mechanical time travel element. Although, now that I now that I think about tactical time travel, my uh, plasmoid did fall through a glitch in the Matrix that allowed him to flank a lizard man and uh, created forking timelines for our Spelljammer game. I don't remember that at all. Huh. I don't remember that what? alternate timeline at all. Why am I the only one that remembers this? Who knows? I don't know. Who Time is knows? weird. It's a flat circle as far as I know. No, it's a cube. Hyper time, hyper time cube. Yes. That uh, makes it even worse. <laughs> so outside of D&D, like I said, there are plenty of role-playing games that delve heavily into time travel. Uh, the one of these that is perhaps the most accessible would be the Doctor Who RPGs. There have Makes been sense. a great number of these, and they're all based off Doctor Who. Uh, in some cases, you play as the companions to the Doctor, and the Doctor is a DMPC um, that sort of drags you into adventures, and then the companions, who are the player characters, who can, you know, invent their own histories and abilities and stuff, have to solve whatever random shenanigans the Doctor is up to. Um these have some rules for time travel, but there have been so many different Doctor Who RPGs that the exact time travel rules are widely varied and oftentimes um, incompatible and sometimes nonsensical. Um, in most cases, there's something about, you know, not being able to change certain elements in history. There are fixed points that you can't change. Um, and that causing paradoxes is bad. Yeah, generally it's a bad idea. That, that's just the general Doctor Who thing, is that there are fixed points in history you can't change, and that trying to cause a paradox causes something bad to happen. Can't go back and kill Hitler. Yes. Sorry. Although there's an episode of Doctor Who called Let's Kill Hitler. <laughs> I would also say, as, as a DM for that game, I would explicitly say, yes, you can do that, please do that. Yes. Um, which does feature the great bit of somebody just smacking Hitler and shouting, Shut up, Hitler! <laughs> um, I, I, that season was weird, but that episode it was pretty fun. Um, the, there's, other, there's plenty of other uh, time travel RPGs, though. Uh, one sort of quasi-old-school one would be Time Watch. Which is the general notion of you're a group of time travelers whose job it is is to, you know, preserve the timeline. It, it's your pretty straightforward time travel thing. I'm not sure if it has any special mechanics or real interesting elements, but if you're trying to just do the generic action TV time travelers save the timeline thing, that's probably I mean... where you want to go. You could also easily spin that one into uh, the time cops from Star Trek. That'd be that'd be a cool one. Yeah, uh, the yeah whatever their group they're. I called. can't remember what they're called. They're not Section Thirteen. Section Thirteen is other group, but yes, you that one is fine for any sort of time cops group. Um, the last of the RPGs we're going to talk about is one that I think is perhaps the most interesting. It's called Continuum. And hmm. it's based on this concept that time travel is... That effectively, once time travel is invented, you have a society of 
nearly post-human time traveling, like, time lords, essentially, that evolve out of the existing humanity. Uh, that once time travel is invented, it's immediately widespread because time is no time longer travel. really a factor. And it becomes a whole thing. Um, Interesting. And so it, this future society is the one that the time travelers come from. And you go back in time to, like, suit the goals of that society, which involves resolving paradoxes that would prevent them from existing and sort of spreading the idea and concept so that when time travel is eventually invented in the 22nd century or 23rd century, whatever, when time travel is eventually invented, people are ready for it and ready for and like prepped for the idea of time travel and that it'll change their society to this future version. Um, I mean, honestly, that sounds exhausting and like the entire point of you and your society's existence would be making sure that time travel happened. That sounds exhausting. Well, I mean, it's certain people from the society who go and do this and that's who the players mm. are. Um, Got it. And they also have time traveling criminals called narcissists who uh, go back in time to try and alter it to suit themselves. These, yeah, that name tracks. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's kind of the concept, is that the people who would go back in time and alter it are doing it out of selfish reasons, for the most part, because the society that eventually gets built is pretty utopian. Although the developers have teased doing a book uh, from the narcissist point of view that would perhaps explain that the future society isn't as utopian as it's presented. <laughs> Utopia is dystopia, yeah. or at least it's dystopia to somebody. That's kind of like the whole point of utopian fallacy fiction. Yeah. Um, the game has an interesting mechanic where paradoxes create something called frag, uh, which is the universe's way of erasing those for whom a paradox exists. No! For example, classic grandfather paradox. If you went back in time to kill your grandfather and did it and you murdered him, and then you came back to the future, you'd find that your grandfather was alive and that you started to, like, cease to exist because the universe is trying to erase anyone that knows about that paradox happening. <laughs> what um, if you went back in time and became your own grandfather? Then uh, you would mess up your brain waves and be extra special. <laughs> Fry. <laughs> Mr. Sleeping with his own grandmother over here. We're just going to do whatever we want. Uh, yes, Futurama. Good good episode. Um, I think Continuum is interesting because it's the game, it's the RPG that takes the time travel and thinks about it the most. Rather than... That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's a game uh, that really thought about what time travel would be like in a society and in a civilization and the time travel civilization is actually distinct and it has its own like code of values and it has its own slang and language stuff going on. Um, and also like the mechanics of the time travel are so incredibly like it has interesting time travel mechanics. I believe one of the things is that, if you don't have a skill, like if you're trying to pick a lock but don't know how, you can time travel to the future and like learn the skill and then come back. <laughs> nice. Uh, but your character has like an overall like uses, not like uses of their time travel, but like a lifetime setting. So as you keep doing that, it burns time. Oops. And eventually you have to retire. Uh, no. Or, or something. I don't know the exact details, but you can just be like, oh, I'm going to go spend a year learning how to pick ever any lock in existence and then come back and try this. Been forced into retirement. Yeah, which I think that's a really interesting mechanic that, you know, if you've got time travel, you might as well do that. It also avoids the, like, trying to paradox your way out of it being like, oh, I'm going to go hide a key in the future under this rock. Oh no, somebody came by and stole it. I don't know where it went. Yeah, the uh, predestination paradox that is 
absolutely my favorite thing in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Where Good they, times. Where towards the end they go, oh, you know how we just found that thing earlier? We need to go back in time and hide that now. I just recently watched that movie and I already forgot like a majority of the plot. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's great. It has a couple of amazing, like slightly deeper than you would expect time travel things. That being one of them, the part where they go, they're like trapped in a room and they go, I'm going to go back in time. Once we get out of here, I'm going to go back in time and steal my dad's keys and leave them in this desk drawer. And then he opens the drawer and the keys are there. <laughs> um, and also the part where um, George Carlin's character never actually tells them his name. Oh, yeah, they I tell about themselves that. his name. Meaning that um, we, we don't actually know if that's his name or not. <laughs> um, because, yeah, because it, it, it loops. It's a paradox. Good times with time travel. Yes, but RPGs aren't the only thing that uses time travel. Board games use time travel. Woo! So I've got, I think, five of these that I pulled out. There's a whole bunch of board games that are based on time travel or use it as sort of a theme. These are ones that I think are maybe doing the more interesting things with their mechanics. The first one is Time Stories, or T-I-M-E Stories, because it's big acronym. And it is Boo. You're the Time Cops. Uh, my friends and I, when we played it, called it Time Cops. <laughs> um, it is a co-op story-heavy game about groups of agents who are sent back to various historical or alternate history eras to troubleshoot the timeline and try to fix something weird that's going on. Uh, you um, see, what happened here is uh, your negative lead of this wire here fell out of this terminal. If you just attach it back together, it'll be fine. Yeah, what happened here is... An evil alchemist started messing with shit and accidentally caused a plague of zombies that killed this town that that town can't die. So we're going to have to shoot this alchemist in the head. I, that's uh, not one of their stories, but it's sort of vaguely I was, was going to say moral, moral quandary there. I mean, that's sort of vaguely close to some of them. Um, it has an interesting mechanic where... The game is tracked. There is like a time tracker on the game where it, as the rounds go on, you move it forward. If you fail to accomplish the objective by a certain point, it resets to zero and all Oops. the characters are moved back to the starting point. But with all the stuff you already know, basically you failed and the time cop and the like time overseeing agency yanks you out of there and reinserts you at the beginning Task um, to give you another run at it. Um, which is an interesting mechanic because then you know stuff already. Like, you know which rooms go where, you know what the map looks like, you know what the NPCs are, and what the puzzles and challenges are. So you can, so like... it's basically save-scumming the game. Yeah, it lets you save-scum a little. <laughs> um, it has some cool puzzle elements, a wide variety of settings. It can be difficult. There are times when you your progression can be kind of soft-locked because, like... Maybe it doesn't. It hasn't been playtested perfectly, and you're missing a certain card that you need, Oops. or um, or perhaps one of the players didn't read the card fully, where it says at the bottom to draw another card. <laughs> read the manual. Josh. Um, that happened on a couple of occasions in my team. Um, so it's really fun and has some really interesting stuff. The biggest downside is that it generally lacks replayability. Yeah, that's um, that's what I heard about it, and that's kind of my issue with like those legacy style games in general. Is it's like, okay, cool, you played it, uh, you've had the experience, but also in a lot of cases, like the pieces and the board can get modified so much that it's not like you can even like give it to Goodwill or you know sell it back to your local game library because it's the game's already been played, it's been modified, nobody else can play it. Yeah, this one doesn't really modify the board. Um, so it's not, it doesn't have quite that legacy issue. Um, the thing is, though, that you can't replay it because it tells a story, and once you've played through the story, you know what the story is and how to beat the game. Um, and there are That's some cards that it tells you... That's your perfect business opportunity for expansions. 
Exactly. Actually, and that's what they did. They published a whole bunch of expansions, each one of which adds a new mission, and through them sort of creates a linked narrative. Um, hmm. Because at the end of each session, it tells you, like, here are the rewards you've gotten. If you finish this quickly, congratulations, you're the best agents, you get these rewards. If you finished slower, you're not as great agents, have some handicapped bonuses for the next game you play. <laughs> and if you finish really bad, it's like, ugh, why do we even bother? Why don't we just hire new agents um, and give you some stuff to make the next round easier? Some, like, items Clean your desk, that'll, get out. that'll help you on the next round. That That's kind of part of the legacy, its biggest legacy issue is that you're supposed to take those items and like set them aside and ha give and give them out at the start of the next game you play. So they get pulled out of the main game, and so someone else playing it wouldn't necessarily get those items. Boo. Um. So yeah, I think it's better. It, it's certainly easier to like share it between multiple groups than you would have with normal legacy games, but its reliance on new missions is somewhat awkward mm -hmm. um and it, the settings are cool um one of them takes place in a like 1920s post-world war one french insane asylum oh boy uh one of them takes place in like a 1980s small town in the northeast united states where there's a zombie outbreak and you have to save one specific person but there's several mm -hmm. people with that same name so you have to figure oh. out which one is the correct one because you only know which the first name. Oh boy, got you some zombies over there. Um, one of them takes place in I think the Renaissance, and you have to like deal with an alchemist. Um, another one takes place in Antarctica and is kind of the thing esque. Um, Naturally, I'm pretty sure legally, if you're running some kind of sci-fi game in Antarctica, it contractually has to be based on the thing. Yeah, one of them takes place in ancient Egypt. Cool. Uh, one of them takes place in an alternate history that's a, like, it's basically a fantasy world. There's dragons and magic and stuff. Um, and that one also has the implication towards the end that maybe you're the bad guys. <laughs> are we the baddies? And Because the, the people you're fighting are, like, trying to do something to save this world, but you have to collapse it to maintain the main timeline. And oh like, no! Oh, are are we actually like fascist time cops? <laughs> a cab includes time cops. Apparently, it's an interesting <laughs> premise. I I would like to play more time stories. Um, it might be a little crunchy for my current group though, and it, it its other limitation is that it is four players, and it's pretty. Does it need exactly four players? It does basically need exactly four players. Boo. You could probably um, play it with, like, three, but four players is where it is locked in, and you can't add more players, and getting fewer players would make it very hard. It sounds like it would be one that would be a good opportunity for Tabletop Simulator if they were to do a digital version. Actually, the Maybe. next one we're going to talk about is called U.S. Patent Number 1. It's from 2001, and it's a game where the players are inventors who have made time machines and are racing to the patent office to be the first one to register their time machine. But in order to guarantee that they beat the other people who have invented time machines, you have to uh, go back in time. I like it. Um, it. It doesn't seem like the time travel is as much of an issue with it. It's more about getting valuable parts and adding them to your time machine. Um and sort of about, like, old patent stuff. Uh, and that one is available on Tabletop Simulator. Nice. Um, I don't think it's official, but it's on Tabletop Simulator if you if we want to try that out at some point. I like it. It's primarily card game, but I think it has a board as well that you kind of move pieces around. It's a I'm, core I'm not sure how game. good it is. Its ratings on BoardGameGeek are not that high. I mean, I always try and take board game geek ratings with a pinch of salt anyway. Yeah, that, that that's fair. Um, the next one is Chrononauts, 
which is a time travel uh, card game that I do want to play, as it's published by the makers of Flux. I can't remember if I've played this one or not. I I know the name. Yes. Do you know uh, what year it came out? Uh, I think early 2000s. It's been out for a while, and I it's have, still in print. I may have played it in college, but I can't remember for sure. So the general gist of it is it's a card game, and like Flux, it has a bunch of different cards that you try to get certain um, goals from. You can either collect uh, historical artifacts, and if you get a certain set, you win. Or you can alter history to match the specific timeline that your is your goal, because each player hails from a different timeline. Yeah, that's definitely like, very fluxy. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of stuff that like adjusts and creates stuff. Um, however, if you lose, if you create too many paradoxes, the game ends because uh, it collapses the universe. Uh oh, you attracted the attention of the time cops. Yeah, or or that happens, I guess. Perhaps one player is a time cop whose job it is is to like catch people creating paradoxes. He's snitching. Yeah. I, I guess a cap does include time cops. <laughs> um, although maybe I don't know because time cops aren't. We raises the question: Are they time cops or should we call them like time park rangers? Because if their goal is to protect the natural course of time. Well, take it a step even further. Does ACAB include park rangers? Uh, I don't know. All right, let's let's take this argument to Twitter. I'm sure that will be a perfectly rational debate with absolutely no problems whatsoever. I'm sure no one will be canceled by that debate. <laughs> All right, so two more board games, uh, neither of which involve time cops. Uh, first one is Kronos, uh, which is an engine-building game played across three boards, each representing a specific era, sort of like a medieval, a renaissance, and a modern. Huzzah! Um, actually, I think renaissance might be more like Victorian and then modern. Um, where you're, each player is a time traveler and you're all building rival civilizations. So it's sort of a engine building society creation game um, where playing into certain time eras can cause ripple effects into the other boards. And if you do certain things, you can like send buildings back in time. Nice. Which causes them to like, if they land on a building that was built in that location in the past, they destroy it. Ah, building. Ah, this castle just got flung back in time and crushed my granary. What the hell? Castle out of nowhere with a chair. Yeah. So that one seems interesting in that it really takes the, like, engine building system and alters it to time maneuvering. I like it. Engine building is probably one of my favorite genres of game. Yeah. So I'm down for that one. And the last one, the last board game we're really going to talk about for this is Loop Inc., which was published in 2015 and is about workers at a time travel agency. Like a travel agency, but they send you through time. Mm -hmm. um, and the concept, it's kind of a worker placement thing. Uh, sort of, you each player goes across the board and takes a certain number of actions. But then loops back in and you start the day over and take more actions. Mm -hmm. um, like you loop through the day several times trying to do like trying to score the highest by sending the most people on time trips. Which is the action that lets me go back to the start of the day and form a union? Um, I don't know, but if you create too many paradoxes, you, you lose the game. So Union paradox. Yes, you, we need to unionize in order to prevent paradoxes. There, solved it. Cool. The time travelers' union will stand up to the time cops. <laughs> All right, so and that's time travel and board games. There are quite a few more that use time travel as a setting, or that like have time travel as sort of their basic premise that oh no you've been flung back through time now do a thing but uh, not all of them use time travel as a mechanic which is really what we were trying to focus on here this just leads us to war games 
which uh, just insert a uh, sound of crickets in here. Which uh, we we did some research. The only thing we could really come up with was that Frostgrave has a time wizard. Um, yeah, I like the time wizard. And even then, that time wizard doesn't let you go back in time so much. No, like the only the only real like time traveling stuff that you can do with that is that you can like modify dice rolls or like call shots. Um, there is or was a spell. I can't remember if it's in the current edition of the game where basically it would let you take like a piece of terrain structure and basically remove it from the board as it crumbles to dust. Uh, Cause you create like a little uh, yeah. Fast forward it through time basically. And that one there, it was kind of squidgy over. It's like, well, how do you define what kind of terrain can be modified via time travel? So I don't remember if it was one that got either updated or just removed from the new edition. Um, but I, I still want to work on my idea of the, the time wizard who has uh, minions from all kinds of various time periods. Yeah, that sounds like it would be pretty sweet. Uh, but Warband. I think I think the issue with war games and time travel is that a war game generally the time span that you're working with in terms of like what the game represents is going to be such a small fraction of time that really mucking with the timelines not going to do much at least on that kind of scale like there's probably ways that, you know, if you were doing a video game or something or uh, maybe something that's like very, very crunchy and only involves like one character that maybe you can do something where it's modifying like a couple seconds of time. But when it comes to war games, you're talking about a time span of a few minutes to maybe an hour. And it's hard to do anything with that. Um, the only other like time travel shenanigans that I could think of would be doing something like an advanced squad leader campaign, which covers the course of months for a particular battle and maybe having some kind of mechanics in there where you can like go back to a specific day or like create separate boards where different things are happening at different times. But uh, other than, some like theming stuff around like time travel wizard or something like that. It feels really difficult to add in any kind of specific time travel mechanic to a war game. At least, at least for me, but I'm not, I'm not an expert game designer or any kind of game designer. So maybe there's somebody out there smarter than me who could figure it out. Um, I believe age of Sigmar also has a time wizard though. Its effects are more like, haste and slow yeah, kind of things where it doesn't yeah, I think travel also, through time it just alters the flow of it on existing stuff i think warhammer fantasy also had like some kind of time theme mechanics for one of their wizards as well but i can't remember yes um but so given that there aren't a lot what sort of things would you want to see or what sort of ideas would you have for doing time travel in war games because i have an idea um and we sort of talked about this before the show of a war game that is played across multiple boards um, where you're effectively fighting over the same point at different uh, over the same location at different eras or at different time periods. And that you can, as the commander, you can do things in multiple areas. And the goal is to like capture a certain magical or technological icon that is existing in all three points um, in order to win or to eliminate the enemy from just one table so that they can't capture it. Um, but also that you could have certain units that had abilities that would affect other tables. Like you could have a time jumper unit from the sci-fi board that could hop to one of the other tables um, or do things like that. Uh, sort of um, you could do something similar to uh, referencing a video game here the cause and effect mission in Titanfall 2 
which is one of the best time travel missions in a video game. So I've heard. Uh, as your as the character has a device that allows them to switch back and forth between like two time periods which are separated by a couple of weeks um and so they go between like the facility as it's in the middle of well the facility while it's in operation and the facility while it's a complete like wreck Mm -hmm. which allows you to do things like walk through an elevator shaft after it's been broken and then you find an area that's on fire so you hop back to the facility when it's in operation and just walk across the floor it's a little less burny yeah um it it provides some really cool mechanics and you could do something similar to that where you have guys that can jump through time and so jump to your like normal board and start fighting there and then if they see that they're surrounded there or that somebody needs help in the future board they can jump back to the future board Mm-hmm. Um, and as the player of the game, the general was essentially be someone who is outside of time or is at like a time nexus to control this, them being able to activate units in whatever order they want could create an interesting mechanic as well. Mm-hmm. That you activate units on... That you get a number of activations equal to the number of units you have across all boards, and you alternate that. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I would activate, say, a unit on the sci-fi board, and you would activate, say, a unit on the modern era board, and then I would activate another unit on the sci-fi board, and you would activate a unit on the historical board. Mm-hmm. Creating, yeah, I think, a range of things. Yeah, I think doing that could be interesting. Did- there would just be, like, a lot of paperwork to keep track of and finding, like, the best way to simplify that down I would mean, be a little bit tricky. I mean, I think the key thing there is that you, you, you would essentially have one fairly straightforward war game going on. Mm-hmm. It's just that you would play it across multiple locations. And so... You know, when someone moved from one to the other, they would activate, they would switch their location, effectively magically, and then they would do stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the real trick would be doing things that would like, okay, the real issue would be setting up terrain so that the boards kind of matched. Yeah, that might be might be tricky. Yeah. Um, Because you'd want, like, if there's a river on the board, it would need to be in the same place on all three. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's something to work in, look into and maybe work on. Um, Other time travel mechanics we might want to see in games. Hmm. Um, nothing, like, super specific that I can think of. Unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like time travel is one of those mechanics that feels so connected to storytelling specifically that it feels more suited to something that's trying to tell a story as opposed to fighting out, like, a combat scenario. Right. I I think it would be interesting to... uh have an RPG that's based on the players going through the same day over and over again. Sort of Groundhog's Day looping. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you could run that as a D&D campaign even, where it's a small dungeon or something, and the players, like at, at the end of the day, they end up back in the starting room with everything reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be fun. Um, that That's something I might need to work on. Try and see if I can make that happen. Um, yeah, so that's time travel. And now time. we're going to go back in time and re-record this episode. <laughs> knowing knowing what we don't know and what we do know, and trying to find more ways to do board game war or time travel war games. Yes. Um... And speaking of board games, we have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner. 
Board game! And today, because I really didn't prep for this due to time shenanigans, I'm going to talk about Uno. Cool. It's a card game. Been a while since I played that one. Um, it's a card game. It is wildly popular. Um, it is not to be confused with the University of Nebraska Omaha, which is the acronym UNO. <laughs> um, the basic gist of it is that you have hands of cards. You have to play cards that match the ones on the table in some way, whether it be number or color. And the goal is to get rid of all of your cards. When you only have one left in your hand, you shout Uno to let everyone else know. Um, and, you know, there are cards that alter the direction of play. There are cards that cause other people to draw more cards. Um, there are some other action cards that might vary depending on the edition you're playing. It's pretty straightforward. See, there you go. Uh, Uno reversal card. Refer reversing the flow. Reversing the flow of time? Yeah. Um, I'm Going not sure back what to mechanic beginning. you could how how you could use that as a mechanic. Um I mean I, I like the, the Uno like skip cards could be interesting. Where you cause also people true. to like skip time skip their turn. <laughs> no, I took a turn and I fell asleep during it. Yeah. Actually, I'm, okay. I'm going to look into this and see what sort of time travel mechanics you could use using a deck of Uno cards. Because, like, reverse, skip, the drawing cards, wild cards. I think you could make some mechanics out of this. Potentially. Alright, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But yes, Uno. Classic card game. Wildly popular. Remarkably simple rules. You already know what it is. And if you're me, you lose the game because you have one card and forget to forget to shout Uno. Yes, you gotta shout Uno. That's important. Um, widely used in memes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uno. Woo! And that's our show. As always, thank you for listening. We've been Knoll Country. You can find us on social media. We are at Knoll Country or uh, at... Yeah, generally just at Knoll Country or Knoll Country on things. Um, like, subscribe, rate, retweet, repost, reblog, tell your friends, support your local game shops, form a more perfect union. Tie uh, our tweets to a carrier pigeon and send them around somewhere. Yes, travel back in time to tell people about our podcast before we started the podcast. <laughs> uh, do the things Ed's about to tell you to do. Uh, you can follow me at Anna Madness on Instagram. That's where I post most of my shenanigans when there are shenanigans to be had, which uh, lately has not been the case. Uh, donate to your your queer supporting charities and your reproductive justice funds. Uh, do something fun with your queer friends. Uh, I, I suggest board time games. Cops. Yeah, board games. Uh, I Maybe I'll be able to come up with a pride month theme for this year i don't i don't know uh and go knolls go knolls